Welcome to the Mommy and Maine podcast, a community that honors, celebrates, and supports you in your motherhood journey every step of the way. They say that when a baby is born, so too is a mother, and since becoming one myself, I believe this in my core to be true. Motherhood is a rite of passage, a spiritual awakening, and a deep transformation. It's both beautiful and brutal, often at the same time, changing every fiber of our being. Join me and local experts every week for conversations that will enlighten, inform, and encourage you. Prepare for baby's arrival and prepare for your own as well. Here we'll cover it all. With a greater sense of understanding and compassion, we can start to feel less alone and burnt out and instead more connected and whole. This is where you learn to be both mommy and me. Welcome to the Mommy and Main podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I can't wait to chat. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited for today's conversation. I feel like this is something that comes up often, but not often, if that makes sense. Like it's totally. one of the biggest things, but it's not necessarily something you think of until like it's time to put the car seat in. <laughs> so I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, but do you want to just start off with like telling a little bit about yourself and your story, what you do, um, how you got here, and we'll go from there. Would love to. Um, so my name is Emma. I'm a full-time nanny working in Portland for two little kiddos. Um, I've been working full-time as a nanny for just about four years now, and I've been in childcare at large for pretty much a decade. Um, I just love working with kids, fell into that passion really early in life, um, just happened to like find my thing and love it and get to continue to do it for a long time, which has been a joy. Um, and I've always been kind of interested in car seat safety. Like it was something that kind of caught my attention. I was like, this is something we're all using. And I feel like a lot of us are not using it the way we ought to, or maybe have questions. And it just felt like there was this kind of like missing piece of like people needing information and then people not being able to know where to find the information. Um, and I happened to discover that there is a training that you can take. Um, it's through an organization called Safe Kids Worldwide. Um, I know it's the only option to get the training in the U.S. I think it's for all of North America. That's true. Um, and basically it's a week, it's like a four day training. And once you're done, um, you're certified as a child passenger safety technician. Um, and basically what that equips you to do is do car seat check clinics, um, do, um, help families with installs, help families troubleshoot if they're having issues with a particular seat, um, we don't necessarily like install the seat for you, um, but we walk you through how to install the seat. That way you as the person who has that seat, has that car, um, you can feel equipped with and empowered with the knowledge of how to keep your little one safe. Um, and you know how your seat works and how to keep it safe for the indefinite future. Right. No, I love that. I think that's, yeah. it's definitely needed and you're right. It's something that we use it every day and it, it's not, I don't know, it's not like, like sleep or some of these other topics that are just so kind of forefront of mind right away when you think about kids, but then when, you know, you're packing your hospital bag and you're like, shoot, I need to install my car seat. Wait, what car seat do I buy? Which one should I put in? How do I install it? Like then all these questions just come flooding to the surface. So For sure. um, we need people like yourself <laughs> that can help out with that. And, and you're right. It is sometimes difficult and overwhelming. Um, to, to find that information, you know, where do you look for those resources and that? So especially, you know, locally, of course you can look online, but sometimes that's overwhelming and, and having that person right there with you is extra helpful, I think. Yeah. So how do you install a car seat? And I know, well, maybe we should start with how like there's different car seats. I don't yeah. know. So, um, um if we're talking for like the new parent, um, which is, I've been doing a lot of those visits lately. Um, the bulk of my, um, CPST work has been, um, expectant or very fresh new parents. Um, that's just kind of been the like little niche that I found for myself that I really enjoy. Um, cause if you can get a new parent and teach them all the things they need to know, then that's setting them up for a lifelong like relationship with, um, you know, knowing how to use their car seats and knowing how to look for things in the manual and just, getting them aware of all of these things. Um, so there's two, basically, if we're talking to a new parent, there's two different options for what kind of car seat you're looking at. 
There's the infant um, only uh, carrier that usually clicks into a base. Um, those usually are also compatible with like stroller systems. And a lot of parents choose those for um, just convenience factor. And those are really like marketed. Um, those are for newborns up to most of them are up to like somewhere between 30 to 40 pounds, but a lot of families kind of outgrow them practically before then. They just become kind of more of a hassle than they're worth. Um, and then there's the convertible car seats. So the convertible car seats can be rear-facing or forward-facing, and a lot of them are, you can use them for newborn up to um, five, six, even beyond that sometimes. Um, and they have, they'll have like newborn inserts that they'll want you to use up to a certain weight limit. Um, the manufacturer will like outline very clearly, like weight and, um, like measurement restrictions in their manual. Um, that information is always available if you like are going online to shop for a seat. Um, so those are the two different seats we're kind of talking about. And for, um, most new parents, they're using an infant carrier that clicks into a base and the base is permanent is like installed in your car and you're just taking the seat, um, out with you. And when you go and you're popping it back in. Right. Yep where that's what we did too. Um, we yeah. got that one, which I did love. I loved the convenience of, um, just like the click super easy and then being able to carry it. Um, and I actually, gosh, now that we're in a convertible one, I hate how bulky and heavy they are. And I was like, I missed just having a base, like the little easy base that could just stay there. But, um, so where should someone put the base and how typically I know every car might be a little bit different, but is there yeah. one spot in the back seat that is, um, you know, recommended this quote unquote safest spot and um, how I know there's, you know, the tether anchors, there's the ones underneath, like all of that different. How, how does that work typically? For sure. So the spiel is, is that the absolute, if we want to talk like the best of the best of the best spot for your child to be in a vehicle, um, would be the middle seat in the back seat. Um, and that's just because we know that then they're, they're infinitely protected. Even if you had, um, you were in a side impact collision. Um, that being said, a lot of middle seats, um, Sometimes it's not functionally just like appropriate for your vehicle or your family's lifestyle. Um, if you have a really tall driver, um, sometimes that middle seat, you can't get a good install in the middle because then the driver's seat is like hitting it, especially if we're talking about a convertible. Um, so there's a lot of like pros and cons as to why certain seating arrangements work. Um, and it's all going to break down to like, what seat are you using? What car are you driving? Um, and like, what options are available to you? Um, but when you're talking about install, there's two ways you can install most car seats that are on the market, which is you can use um, lower anchors or you can use a seatbelt. Both are, if we want to talk about like comparing them as far as safety, they are equal. Um, same safety level, like they've been tested the same amount. Um, there isn't like one that's better than the other. It just comes down to which can you, do you feel that you can get a tight, secure install every single time? Um, a lot of times I will like play around when I do seat checks with new families, we'll play around and we'll see like, well, do you even have tether anchor locations in the middle of your backseat if that's where you want your kiddo to be. Um, and that right there can be an easy yes or no as far as like, are we using a seatbelt or using tether anchors? Do you even have them in the backseat in this spot? Right. Um, most cars have them on the outboard seats. So you'll have like a set of two and a set of two. Um, and a lot of cars are starting to have them in the, like more often than not, you have a set of three or you'll have like and you can, they'll have like one in the middle that you can connect to one of the outboard ones. Um, but you always have to refer back to your vehicle manual. Um, if you go to your vehicle manuals index, you can go to child restraints and it'll tell you in black and white exactly where your tether locations are, um, exactly where your lower anchor positions are, if they have any specific, um, like kind of interesting things. Like if you drive a pickup truck um, and you have a dual cab pickup, um, a lot of times once you switch to forward facing and you're using a tether strap from the top of the seat, um, if you were in a conventional like SUV, there's usually like a hook spot that you can attach that strap to um, 
on the back of the vehicle seat. But if you're in a pickup truck, there kind of is no back of the vehicle seat that you can access. So a lot of times there's like a little diagram that'll show you where they want you to do it. And it's often like the headrest of the other seat in the back, which is kind of crazy and weird the first few times you do it. Um, but yeah, your manual is always king. Um, and that is when it can be really helpful to like have a CPST that you can make an appointment with. Um, if you do have any questions, if you do have kind of like a funky car, Teslas are the worst. <laughs> um, they have like a weird vehicle slant on their back seat. So it makes it really kind of tricky with some car seats. They don't really like it a lot to get a good recline level. Um, so yeah, I don't even know if I answered your question, but that's no, that was, that was really informative. I appreciate yeah. that. And it's true. Like it, I think it does come down to, um, your, your car really. So it's, um, I love that you highlighted to, you know, check your manual. Um, I think it's also important to highlight, like always refer back to the car seat manual too, for, for other reasons, but like, you're going to need both your car manual and your car seat manual. Um, and for just sure. always check that manuals are king. like just read yeah. the fine print. Cause they will, a lot of times what my visits start with is just like, I show you, hi, here's your manual. Did you know you had this? Right. Did you right. know, did you know where it was in your car? <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you know exactly. where it is it's in your glove box? Do you, do you have it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, um, I asked that too about where, um, cause I, I did know that, uh, or I've been told that the middle backseat is the safest spot, um, for your car seat to go. However, I also know that a lot of designs of cars, SUVs and such, um, and sometimes minivans do, depending, right? And trucks, like they're all different, but um, yeah. sometimes it's only captain seat options and there is right. no middle seat directly right there. Like it's, you know, they have that open little walkway. Exactly. Um, so I wanted, that's why I wanted to ask that. But it sounds as though, of course, um, again, as long as it's installed properly, safely, tightly um, in right. whatever way, again, upper, lower anchors or the upper tether, however that looks, um, then really, as long as you're being consistent with that. And because again, it could also be driver related or, you know, your own comfort and safety and functionality as well, like reaching and, you know, you got to keep all that in mind. So there's, there's so many factors. Um, yeah. So definitely like the, the spiel is if we have just like one kid, if that's, if we're just starting with like a newborn, um, we try to usually opt for the middle seat. Um, we start there, but then if we can't get a good install, um, we move to an outboard seat. It's not a huge stress or concern, um, because you know, any of those backseat positions in a car are all, they've all been crash tested this way to Sunday. They're all, you know, they're, they're all safe. Um, you know, we just try to put them in the middle if we can, but, um, it's not a huge stress if we cannot. Right. Here's my next question. And speaking of that, uh, when you're onto more than one kiddo mm. and like, let's say the new baby, of course you want to try to get them in the middle again. I'm sure again, this is very dependent on your car and the size of it. Um, of course, but is it ideal to again, keep the baby in the middle and then have, you know, your toddler in whether they're rear or forward facing, you know, directly next to them, or is that not always able to fit, especially because of like the size of the convertible car seat or whether they're rear or front facing, like that's where right. it's muddy. I think there's a lot, it's a game of Tetris is what it comes yeah. down to, especially once you start getting like two or three kids across in a backseat. Um, it'll also come down to just what, um, like not all bench sizes are the same. So if you're like in a bench, like I have a 2018 Honda CRV, I actually can't fit three across, um, it kind of in a weird way. Cause Hondas have this weird, stupid thing where they overlapped the seatbelts and to plug, but to click in a seatbelt on the outboard seat, you have to cross over the middle one, which is just ridiculous. Um, so you get in different yeah. vehicles that have these different quirks, um, Toyota, um, RAV4s are also up until like, I think last year's model, they have this very abnormal middle seat that they say it's, you can, it's a three seat, whatever, but it's literally like eight inches. It can't even, it can only fit an American girl doll. Like you can't even right. fit a human. I can't fit in there. Um, so you start getting into these really weird kind of situations. Um, but to answer your question of, we always try to opt for like the most, um, at the most vulnerable child in the car should go in the safest position. So if we're talking, talking about we have the one with the most protection on their seat 
So it's actually counterintuitive. Um, if we had like a child who was in a high back booster and we had a newborn, um, I would actually, the, the way I was taught in my training is that we would actually opt to put the newborn on the outboard seat and have the high back booster child in the middle because the high back booster child has less protective equipment surrounding their body. Um, their seat is less technically less protective than the newborn in a car seat that is a complete turtle shell um, designed to completely keep them safe in the event of a crash. Um, and it also comes down to just like logistical convenience of, are you going to be able, if you have like a rear facing seat on the outboard, you're not going to be able to reach over to click an yep. infant carrier in and out. Um, so you get into kind of some tricky little, like it's a game of Tetris and you kind of have to play around and figure out how it's going to work. Um, but yeah, it is a little counterintuitive and that was a, a tricky day in our training when we had to kind of work mm. through and map out some ideas of how we would approach different situations. Um, but yeah, most, most vulnerable, we try to put in the safest quote unquote, safest locations first, um, and work outwards from there. Gotcha. No, that makes complete sense. And I would have never thought about like switching, I mean, practicality wise, yes, obviously, like you can't reach over the convertible to then get your infant in the middle. That makes sense to me. But I wouldn't have realized that most vulnerable, um, as in the toddler that's, you know, on a high back booster, meaning just less protected in the sense of like, they're not as covered in, in a car seat, as you mentioned, as like the infant would be. Yeah. So that's interesting. Makes sense. Yeah. What about, I know this time of year, um, this comes up a lot too, the cold is coming. We're in Maine. We've got big, puffy winter jackets. Um, but we are told that that is not safe to have our kiddo in their big jacket while in the car seat and then harnessing. Um, yeah. And I think harnessing in general is another topic under car seat safety that um, we could touch on as well, because that's not always done properly, um, whether no matter what clothes they're in. Um, but yeah. then on top of that, what would you say um, to, to, to the point of those big puffy jackets? Yeah. So big puffy jackets are, are a problem. And so are the um, like infant buntings, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, like the teddy bear suits, the fleece suits yep. that we put those babies in and they look so adorable and they can't move mm -hmm. their arms. It's just really <laughs> cute. Um, any of those, um, we don't want them in a car seat. And here's the reason why we want as little space between the harness straps and your child as possible, because for those harness straps to be operating correctly in the event of a crash, those harness straps are actually absorbing the, some of the crash force impact. Um, same as your seatbelts. Seatbelts actually have that webbing design on your seatbelt that none of us have ever really paid attention to before. Um, it's actually specifically designed so that in a crash, it like stretches and expands and contracts to absorb crash force away from your body. So the harness straps on your child's seat are doing the exact same thing. And for them to be able to do their job properly, they need to be in close contact with your child so that they can expand and contract and they can do the things they need to do and help that crash force be absorbed um, and just keep your kiddo safe. Um, and then the other issue the other side of that coin that we see with kiddos in big bulky items in their car seats is we're just not getting a tight harness fit um, because those layers um, in a crash, um, if you're wearing a big bulky jacket, it's not quite as much a concern with like a fleece or even some of those thin puffers that just like super compress the second you press down on them, but a big puffy jacket um, or snow pants or a snowsuit or anything like that, um, you're in the event of a crash, that suit like will boom, shoom down a lot faster than you would when you were harnessing them in. Um, so you've created like a gap between your child and the harness straps, which they can like shift around in, they'll slide out. Um, it is like possible that they could be ejected from the seat if it was really too loose, mm -hmm. um, which then kind of uh, <laughs> right going into the harness straps, why they're so important to get a tight fit is is that um, harness straps are there to keep your child contained in the seat. They're there to help um, 
absorb crash force. And so we want them as tight and snug. Um, we want that retainer clip, that chest clip. We want that at about their armpits, their nipples somewhere, um, armpits, nipples, usually those are about the same um, kiddos. And we want that all nice and snug, not any slacker on their hips, no slack up top. Um, and we, the way to know if your harness is tight enough is you can do the pinch test where at their shoulders, um, you can grab the webbing of the harness straps. And if you can pinch it, um, it's too loose. And so you can tighten it back down. There used to be kind of like a rule that was talked about of like, well, you can put two fingers under the neck or like, kind of like we talk about with dog collars, <laughs> as crazy right. as that sounds. <laughs> um, but that's kind of, uh, out of date. We don't really do that as much anymore. Um, the pinch test is kind of where it's at. Um, and if you're ever uncertain and you're like, well, I don't know, can I pinch it? Is it whatever, whatever mm -hmm. you can do what we call a reverse pinch test. Whereas you start with the harness completely slacked out, you pinch the straps and as you tighten the straps in your hand that you're pinching will fall out of your hand because you can no longer pinch them. And that is a way to know if they're tight enough. Um, so yeah, just very important. Um, I think that's one of the most common misuses that we see, especially mm -hmm. it gets really tough when you have kiddos who are like four or five, um, and you start having like school drop-off lines, school pickup lines, mom and dad want kid, their kid, like they have to be go, 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 like out in a second. They want their kid to be able to unbuckle themselves. Um, so maybe they're letting their kid buckle themselves in, in the first place. So we're not getting things tight enough or, um, just, you know, all around, not the safest, um, yeah. which is, it's really tough, but yeah, yeah, nothing under the harness straps, if we can help it. Um, and I do often get this question a lot is like, what can I put my kid in then? Um, mm -hmm. which the answer is if you can put them in basically what you would have them inside the house, um, a long sleeve onesie, a light fleece, um, a light jacket of form of sorts, like a sweater, um, that is not super bulky, not really adding a ton of extra, um, distance between them and the straps. And then we want to get them all harnessed and nice and snug. And if we're talking like an itty bitty baby in an infant carrier, um, what we can do after that is we can have a little lap blanket, like one of those nice little blankets that you got a million of at your baby shower that have just been <laughs> collected just in a drawer. And you can tuck that around outside the, around their body. Um, as long as they're snugly harnessed in underneath the blanket, you are more than welcome to put a blanket on top of them. Um, and there are seats on the market for older, there are, um, jackets on the market for older kids, the, um, buckle me, uh, snug ride. Oh gosh. What's it called? Um, there's a jacket that is like, a, it, was on, it was on shark tank. Um, that is a car seat approved jacket because it unzips and you can harness them in and then it zips up over it. I haven't personally huh. used them. I opt to just like, we're going 20 feet from a door to a warm car back to a warm house. So I, you'll be fine for five seconds. No one's going to get hypothermia in that time frame. And I'll keep your jacket in the car if we were to, you know, get somewhere and you need it. Um, so that's, that's how we opt to do that. Um, and one other caveat note that I will make while we're on this subject is um, for a lot of new parents, especially because we live in Maine, and it's a thing that little old ladies or people who don't know anything um, will see and they'll put it on the registry or they'll pick it up and give it to you at the baby shower is um, those buntings that you thread the harness straps of your infant carrier seat through. And it's like the fleece Sherpa-y um, aftermarket accessory thing that's like the whole cozy seat cover. Do you know what I'm oh, talking about? For, for the infant car seat that goes for the over infant it. Car seat. Yep. So there's two different types. There's the one that just like attaches kind of like a, with an elastic, like over the top of the seat. And it doesn't make any contact with the harness straps. Those ones are good. Those ones are fine. No problemo there. The ones that we have that are not safe are anything, anytime that you have to like touch the harness straps, um, with an aftermarket products, just in general, please say no headrests, the little like pink fuzzy, like headrest things that they sell at target. Um, they're not safe. They're not approved. They haven't been crash tested with your seat. A lot of times they do more harm than good. Um, they can cause your child to like have their head fall into an improper position. They can cause positional asphyxiation, just say no. Um, but I see a lot of these in Maine in the winter are the ones, the big fuzzy, the baby's all cocooned. Um, and those, those are not safe because they're adding more distance between your child and the harness straps. Your seat was not crash tested with them. Um, so they would be much better off if you just put them in a nice little warm layer and then 
tucked a blanket on top of them. And if you want to drape a blanket over the top of the seat while you take it from the house to the car, Mm -hmm. that is the safest way that you could do it. Gotcha. That was, that's super helpful information. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, I think it's so important, especially for us here in more Northern states where it's cold in the winter. Like these are all considerations that I think a lot of us, or hopefully a lot of us hear about or or have, you know, know about, um, but don't necessarily know what to do about them or other alternatives to, okay, well, right. I don't want my, you know, maybe I'm feeling uncomfortable with that walk from the house to the car, like you said, and you know, how else can I try to keep them warm in that time? Um, but yeah, those are, that's really, really helpful. And that jacket's interesting. I'm going to, I don't know how I feel about it. The one on Shark Tank. Um, yeah, but I, I'd have to look into it. It's kind of a cool concept. It is. Um, it's so on Instagram, which I'll just plug this right now. Cause it's a convenient moment, but there's mm-hmm. a wonderful woman. Um, her name is Michelle and she is known her Instagram handle is safe in the seat. Um, she is, she is a CPST. Um, so she went through the same training I went through. Um, and she does a lot on her, she has a lot of free, um, information on her page. She has a YouTube, um, and she has, she just shares a lot of this type of like safety information that a lot of people are just unaware of. Um, and she actually has done like, I think a whole little there's like a post somewhere on her Instagram about this coat. Um, she lives in Florida, so this isn't applicable to her. <laughs> she lives a good life, but we don't. Of course. But, um, right. but she did do um, a little thing on it if you want to see more. Um, and she's just a great resource um, for like to direct people to sometimes. If like, yeah. it's really hard because you don't want to mom shame and you don't want to, no. you know, you don't want to be that person. But sometimes I'll just be like, oh, I just like maybe maybe, I don't know, like, I love following safe in the sea. I've learned so much from her, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes it can be a nice way to just kind of like offer them a resource that is available without getting too aggressive or shamey or any of the things. Um, so that's, she's, yeah, she's just got a a wealth of resources available. Um, so I highly recommend checking her out. Yeah, I, I do too. I do love her account. I follow her and I have found a lot of helpful tips in there too. And I love like the videos and short reels that kind of tell you little super quick, easy things that are like, okay, wow, it's so much easier, you know, to understand when I can see it being done or you For know, sure. an example like that. But um, yeah, and you're right. It's, it's so hard, especially with topics like this that are so safety related to mm. like be the one you, you don't want to be the one to like come across as being I don't know. Aggressive is not the right word, but like, you don't want to come across as rude to someone either, especially whether you know them or not. Like it can, it can just be a kind of a, a tough line to walk, I think. But at the same time, like, of course, like the, in- the best interest is of the child's safety. So you do want people to be aware of, of all those guidelines. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. Um, especially for me. Cause like, I, I am a professional caregiver. So there's like a lot of things that I see in public sometimes. And I'm just like, ah, yes, maybe not how I would approach that situation, but you, I am, you are their parent. And therefore you, I'm just going to believe that you were doing the best with what you have available. And we're going to carry on with their day. And I had to kind of, um, I think I used to be, especially on social media, I used to be a lot quicker to like offer advice, whether it was solicited or unsolicited. And now I've kind of reeled that in. And now, because now I have the CPST training, um, I've kind of, I, I hold off, I bite my tongue in a lot of times where like people are, could want advice or could want things. And I try to just like only give advice unsolicited when it is like a very cut and dry, just like, hi, I'm noticing that you, um, your child, uh, has outgrown this seat. And I just wanted to make sure you know that. And I'm just saying this because as a professional person who now has this training, I can't not notice it wherever I go. Or like, I just wanted you to know that maybe like, I just wanted you to know that like, it's in your vehicle manual. If you want to check it out, this, that, or the other thing Mm -hmm. I've had to kind of like take ease, ease back off of the other topics, because this is such an important topic. And if, if anyone is going to hear words come out of my mouth and listen to them, I want it to be on the like do or die stuff. I want it to be yeah. when it matters. Um, so that's, that's been a trick. It's so tricky. Cause you just, you want 
to, you want to like, you don't want anyone to feel shamed and you don't want anyone to feel there's, and there's so much of that into this day and age. Like there's everyone parenting is under such a microscope that they never were before. And there's such a comparison game. And it's really easy to feel all this mom guilt and mom shame and all of this stuff. And I never want to make anyone feel that way. But at the end of the day, car seat safety is not a parenting choice. Yeah. Like car seat safety, this isn't, this isn't whether you breastfeed or whether you formula feed, this isn't whether you co-sleep or sleep in a crib. This is a very cut and dry, hard and fast. There are rules and regulations. This is like how it's written in your vehicle manual. Um, And at the end of the day, like that's not a parenting choice. This is, this is a matter of safety. And we know what we, we know what is safest for your child. And, um, I'm going to just make sure that you also know what's safest for your child and what you choose to do. That information is up to you, but it's the, 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 the facts are not up for debate. Yes. That's a good way to put it. I think you're right on that for sure. And speaking of safety, um, or, and guidelines to, to try and follow, at least this just made me think of another question I had. Um, we all know, again, another kind of common thing we all hear is of course you're supposed to start your infant rear facing um but then there's the debate of how long to keep them rear facing so what does the research tell us about that and what what's your take on it so the research tells us that if we all all humans could be rear facing in cars that would be the safest place for us to be um research is very very aggressively clear on that um and we know that anytime um we, we, I think a lot of parents think of it as kind of like a graduation thing. Like they're thinking of it as a big, exciting, like, oh, we've graduated up to being forward facing, or we've graduated to a booster or this side or the other thing. Um, and what we're taught and what research shows is that every one of these graduations is actually a step down in safety. So anytime you remove an element that is keeping your child safe, you switch from rear facing to forward facing, you switch from forward facing to a high back booster, you switch from a high back booster to a low booster, you switch from a low booster to a no booster. All of these quote unquote graduations are really just the safety measures between your child and harm in the event of an accident is just like decreasing drastically at each step. So main state law is that your child rear face at least until the age of two. Um, I had the privilege of having my CPST training under um, a gentleman named Lance, um, who was a Maine State Police He was, I don't think he was Maine State Police. He was a police officer in the state of Maine for over 20 years. Um, and he's been in this car seat safety world for about that same amount of time. And he even said like he was on the police force for 20 years and he knows he can say without a shadow of a doubt that he has saved more lives doing car seat safety work than he ever did on the job with the badge. Um, and he actually was one of the people who was a champion and sponsor of getting this bill turned into law, um, that says that children should rear face at least until the age of two. Um, that is main state law. There are different laws in other states. Some states, uh, only say that they need to be at the age of one, um, which is absolutely terrifying to me. And some states have higher regulations and lower and it all varies. Um, but state law aside, best practice is that your child rear face for as long as they possibly can. And in this day and age, we have a lot of seats that have higher and higher limits on rear facing so that you can do that. Um, most seats, most convertible seats that you'll look at, um, there are good ones and there are better ones and some have higher rear facing limits and some have lower ones, but a lot of them, their rear facing limits are somewhere between like 40 and 50 pounds, um, which is, you know, that's a sizable kid at 40 or 50 pounds. Um, for example, one of my, my nanny kiddo, he's about to turn three and he's a solid, like 35 pounds, I would have to say. And he's still rear facing and he's a big boy. Like he's tall. He is just like big boned, big boy. And he's rear facing and we will keep him rear facing for as long as he is within those limits, um, which ideally would be at least until the age of four or five. Um, and it's tough because we have this kind of cultural perception that they're missing out when they're rear facing, like they can't see the world as much. We think of it as kind of like this sad thing. Um, but really, if you've seen the crash test videos that I have seen, I do, if more people had seen them, I think more people would know just how serious it is and know that 
it's such an easy thing to do to keep your child safe. Like there's so many things in this world that are uncontrollable, but if I know that the safest place in the, for in a vehicle for my child to be is rear facing in the back seat, that is such an easy thing that is within my control to do, to keep my child as safe as they can be. Um, so yeah, state laws, at least until the age of two, um, depending on what convertible seat you buy, you'll have different limits on how long you can. Um, if you are at the stage where you're looking at convertible seats and trying to figure out which one to buy, it would be my recommendation that you opt for one that has higher limits for rear facing. Um, and yeah, just to rear face for as long as possible and then to forward face with a harness for as long as possible and just like stretch out each of those steps. Um, because really it, if you'd seen the crash test videos, you just want to wrap them all in bubble wrap. Yeah, no, I can imagine that's definitely scary. And like you said, is something, if we, once we have this information, like it's such a, in my opinion, easy decision to make to just, nope, that's it. You know, I'm following this guideline because it is in my control and I know it's the safest choice. Yeah. Um, and just if, if anyone is curious about the mechanics of why we're facing is safest, um, if you think of like the the anatomy of a young body is still so much, um, so much is still growing and so much is still like bones are not, um, completely solid as much as they are when you're older. Um, and what we're really opting to protect the most are the head, neck, and spine. Those are the most important things on your body that we want to protect, obviously. And so when you're rear facing, you have this beautiful cocoon that is absorbing any crash force that is keeping you nice and safe. Um, infant car seats are, they're turtle shells, um, basically. And so they're designed to like in this, in the event of a crash, um, they'll actually like come up to the vehicle seat back and like cocoon your child in and absorb the crash force and like go back down. Um, and so anytime that you're, you're facing, you have that nice, like you're like, it's like reclining. It's very comfortable. Um, it's, it's like a nice little like treat and your head, neck, and spine are nice and cushioned and protected. Um, whereas if you're forward facing, um, it's actually often more uncomfortable for kiddos. Their legs are dangling. Um, it's just not as comfy. They're sitting more upright. And the in the event of a crash, the thing that is taking the, the brunt of the impact, um, suddenly your head is kind of bopping out and then backwards. Um, and your harness straps are the only thing that's kind of holding you in, um, if you get impacted that way. So it's, it's just like so much more comfortable and safe. Um, and a common argument that I hear of why people want to turn their kid, um, forward facing perhaps like before it's time, quote unquote, um, is like their legs are just so long. Like I worry their legs are going to, in the event of a crash, like their legs will get broken or like, it just looks uncomfortable. Um, and actually most, like most kiddos would say that sitting rear facing is much more comfortable with their legs than sitting forward facing. And we're not concerned about their legs breaking. Um, actually in the grand scheme of things, I would be much happier that my child broke a leg, um, than I would anything happen to their head, neck and shoulders, um, and spine. Um, and the risk of any of that happening is much, much lower than people think it is. So, um, yeah, legs are not long legs are never an excuse to turn your child forward facing before they're ready. Just FYI. Mm -hmm. I have seen too, that like, even given if their legs are long, like if they're crossed, even like that's okay too you know, crisscross applesauce, they can have them however they want them to be. Um, whatever feels comfy and good for them. They're like, we're not, we're not, we're, I'm more concerned about you, mom, having your feet up on the dashboard in the passenger seat than I am for your child to have their feet kicking on the headrest of the seat behind them when they're refacing. Yes. I completely agree with that. Um, speaking of I know you mentioned, which I love that you said that as a tip for to really when choosing a convertible, um, just making sure you do the research on those uh, metrics, I guess, for how how they accommodate, you know, length and weight as far as more time, basically, for the child to be able to grow into them um, and stay in them for longer. Um, and I've noticed they have with those, is that like the features of like extra um leg like they have a thing that like can extend for like extra leg room and then of course the thing at the top for like extending for more um height behind the head um are there some of the things that that includes um on a lot of seats yes um like we have i we have two i have in my nanny 
in my car with my, for my nanny kiddos, um, we have new Navravas, um, which are obviously higher end seats. They're kind of top of the price point. So I don't want anyone to think that this is that you have to spend $400 on a car seat to get these, this kind of feature. Um, they have them on seats that are less expensive, but, um, like for example, on the new Narava, there is a, um, like a footrest extender that you can pop out, uh, when they are in rear facing mode that gives them just that extra couple inches of leg room, um, to kind of move around with and feel comfortable. Um, and there's a lot of seats like that. I know like Graco's have some, um, there's a lot of seats out there have, have those kinds of features. Um, but their rear facing limits, uh, are more just how the seat was manufactured and what they've crash tested it to be able to be. And the footrests, you know, the extendable leg room space and are all like, nice and great, but you don't a lot of times quote unquote need them, um, for a kiddo to feel comfortable rear facing for a long time. Um, but obviously if you can get one, you have a taller kid, then for sure go for it. Right. No, that's good to know though, that it's not necessarily, you know, a hundred percent needed. Yeah. What do you say about, um, swivel seats? I do have a question about that. I, I, we don't have one and I'm not against them per se. I I'll say this right up front. I don't know hardly anything about them, but I do know that there are a few on the market that can, you know, the ones you put in that are rear facing that can swivel right to the side so that the child's easier to put in, take out. Um, do you have thoughts or, or know more about that? I have some thoughts. Um, I'm not an expert in them. I haven't done a ton of research into them because I haven't and hadn't encountered one yet, um, like in real CPST work. So I haven't had to do a super, super deep dive, but I'm also a bit of a car seat nerd. So I've done a little bit of, um, rabbit hole diving. Um, <laughs> but the thing, here's the thing about car seats is any seat that is on the market, um, in the U S has been crash tested, um, that there is, it's kind of, a, an honor system between NHTSA, the national highway safety transportation authority, um, and the car seat manufacturers, um, that the car seat manufacturers are crash testing any seat that is going onto the market. Um, and they're all going under rigorous, you know, this way to Sunday, like they're all very thoroughly and rigorously tested. Um, and so any seat that's available is safe. Um, as, as far as we can safely say, um, if it is used to the vehicle and car seat manufacturer's directions, um, it's safe. And that doesn't matter if it's a $50 Costco Serena seat from Walmart, or if that is a $450 Nuna Rava. Um, either seat is equally able to keep your child safe and protected um, if you are using it correctly and harnessing them correctly on every ride. Um, so the swivel seats are pretty cool. Um, I think it's it's definitely a really cool like car seat. It's interesting to see how car seats are evolving and how um, they're kind of adapting to the market and there's different trends and we're just like getting cooler and cooler as we know that car seats are a very important part of child safety and going to be part of um, their world, your world as a parent for a long time. So it's cool to see manufacturers starting to get kind of more creative of how can we make these even better for the consumer and even better for families. Um, so they're really cool, but I don't know. I think it, there's definitely circumstances that it would be really handy. Like maybe you're a handicapped parent or maybe you're um, a grandmother and that's, you know, it's really hard for you to lift your kid in and out. Um, I think I haven't looked into the like limits on a lot of them, but I would be very curious to see what like how, if you can do extended rear facing in a lot of those swivel seats, if like they do have higher limits or if because of the nature of the seat, if they are lower. Um, but yeah, they're pretty cool. I don't yeah. know. They, they look fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now another question, I'm just going back to the comfort. I'm thinking about like when I look in the back seat and um, my kiddo and us parents, like you were saying, like a lot of the times I think it's more on us where we're like, oh my gosh, my kid looks so uncomfortable. But again, if they're safe, that's the most important. But speaking of comfort, yeah. when they fall asleep, <laughs> or I should say, um, and she, my daughter's still rear facing, so they go for either rear or forward facing. Um, and they start to, you know, do the, the head tilt where it's like now hanging completely down, Yeah, you know, their, their uh, chin is to their chest and they're just zonked out. That looks so uncomfortable on their <laughs> neck, but is it, you know, are they still safe? <laughs> yeah. Or is there um, anything else to, you know, 
comfort them or that better without again like buying one of the you know those the little pillows that of course are are not safe <laughs> right um the the quick answer is yes they're safe um that's the the quick if your seat is installed correctly if your child is harnessed correctly um then yes your child is safe um the caveat little note that we like to put on that statement is again that car seats are not designed they're not cribs they're not designed to be sleep um like locations um they are designed to get your child safely from point a to point b um so this is a thing that we see a lot especially you know with like new parents they've realized oh my gosh the car is magical my child will take a nap in one so they suddenly they're going you know in the car for three hour drives for the express purpose of getting their sweet little angel to take a nap um and so yes car seats Yes, it is safe for them to sleep in them, but we also don't want to be like using them for that purpose expressly. And we want to be minimizing their time in a car seat when we can, especially when they are that little, um, which just kind of gets into like container baby syndrome stuff too. Um, We want them to be able to move around. We want them to have, be able to have range of motion and be on their back and all of those things. Um, So yes, it is safe. And no, you do not need to add anything to your car seat that did not come with your car seat. Um, As tempting as it may be to find some sweet solution on the internet that promises to make your child more comfortable, we don't need it. Um, And often it will just make them more unsafe. Um, but yeah, if, if your kiddo passes out in the car, like, I know it looks so bad, but if (laughs) if you can assure yourself that they are harnessed correctly, your seat is installed correctly. The recline is on the correct level appropriate for their age and size. Um, then you should be quite good to go and just feel bad for their poor little neck later and be very thankful that it's not you (laughs) because the recovery would be a lot longer for you. I'm sure. Yeah. A sore neck is nothing compared to, you know, the worst case alternative. Um, yeah, God, definitely. Um, how about snacks, food and and drinks in a car seat? Um, that's, I feel like pretty common, you know, more so toddler age, of course, and whether they're rear or forward facing, um, is that, I think it's safe to say probably everyone feeds their kids snacks in the car at some point in time. Um, but is that necessarily the safest option? Yes. No. (laughs) The the quick is that we would like to see you not feeding your kids when they're um, in their car seats, just because um, if you are driving and your child was eating a snack and they happen to start to choke, um, how long is it going to take you to be able to assess that that is the situation? How long, how quickly are you going to be able to respond? Um, these are just kind of like, obviously the worst case scenarios that we unfortunately have to kind of think about. Um, However, like saying that, like I drive kiddos in my car, like more days of the week than I do not. And yeah, there's those times where you're like, oh my gosh, you're screaming and we're weird. I, you just need a snack. Like we just need to get home. Um, so there are like, I guess you can think of it as like safer options if you wanted to, um, a lot of, um, CPSTs will kind of recommend or opt for the kind of meltable snacks. You know, the ones that like melt in your mouth as soon as you put them in, like the little rice puffs, um, yogurt melts, that kind of stuff. Um, Those would obviously be a, like, if you are going to feed your child when they're in the car, if we want to think of like a good, better, best practice situation, um, if you are going to do that, then like best practice would be probably something with minimal choking risk. Um, So like a meltable, something like that um drinking water fine um the only thing that gets kind of little noteworthy about that is um projectiles so anything that is not strapped down when you are driving a car in the event of a crash could become a projectile and that means your phone your water bottle your purse your keys um the tweezers you keep in your cup holder because that car seat pickup that car drive pickup line lighting is just so immaculate um (laughs) But seriously, if you're not ple- like plucking your eyebrows in the car, where are you doing it? Because the lighting is the best. Um, so <laughs> any of those loose so objects true. in the event of a crash um, can become projectiles. They can like break through glass. They can hit you in the face. They can hit your child in the face. Um, so, you know, maybe don't give them the like heavy metal hydro flask to hold in their hand in the backseat because um, that could probably do some damage. 
Um, there are car seat safer options. Um, again, plugging Michelle safe in the seat. She has an Amazon storefront that has a lot of um, car seat safer options um, for snacks and toys. And um, there's like the soft-sided um, water bottles that are in there as well, like soft-sided snack containers. Um, basically, anytime you have an extra object floating around in the car, we would prefer it to be soft rather than hard. Because if it makes contact with your child, you are going to wish it was soft and not hard. Right. Oh, those are such good tips. Um, and, and it makes so much sense when you say them too. But when you're not, you know, familiar with all of this, the lingo and, and necessarily the ins and outs of the safety regarding all of this, like it's so easy to overcomplicate, I think, or overthink and or you know, just get, <clears throat> excuse me, overwhelmed. Um, so this is super helpful. Yeah. All right. I have one last question. And if it is too... If you'd rather not share, I completely understand because I know it yeah. can kind of get uh, tricky, but do you yourself personally um, have any recommendations of car seats that you like um, based on whatever, like that could be comfort or just like the specs that you like of them um, or maybe one you, that you just have more experience with um, or if you really yeah. don't and you're just totally preference as long as again, you're using it properly and correctly, like that's totally fine too. I'm just curious if you do have a preference. I, yeah, so there's um, actually a website, which I can't remember, which is super inconvenient, but there's a website that actually rates um, different car seats off of their ease of use features. Um, I think it is actually partly sponsored by NHTSA, the National Highway Safety Organization. Um, and so there, so I'll say the spiel again of like, all seats are safe if you're using them the way they're designed to be used, quote unquote, they're spieled on. Um, however, yeah. I do love me some good convenience features in a seat. So um, like anything that's like a click tight, um, a lot of different companies are using that technology. It was originally, um, Britax was the first one that did it. Um, and now like Nunas do it, um, even some Graco's. Um, click tight technology is basically, um, especially if you're using, like if you're doing a seat belt install, um, you there's a little door that you can open in the body of your seat and you thread their seat belt through and then you pull it nice and tight and then you just push the door down to lock it. And it's no mess, no fuss. I can install a seat in like two minutes and it's safe and it's tight and we're good to go. Um, so that technology is the Nuna Rava um, that I have in my car. It uses that technology, but Vertax has it. Um, there's even like some infant seats that have similar technology. I can't remember. I think it was like a maxi cozy I was doing a few weeks ago that had a really amazing, um, like it did an automatic tightening of the lower anchors. Like you pushed down on it and it just like automatically retracted in the lower anchors and then lit green, like the indicator went green. And I was like, this is magical. I've never seen this wow. before. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely, you can get, if you want to get kind of fancy with it and you have the finances to be able to make it, that investment, um, there are definitely ease of use features. Um, like the Duna is um, kind of a hot button seat because it's a seat and stroller in one. Um, right. And so that's an amazing choice for families who are on the go, um, families who live in cities, families who travel a lot. Um, so there's a lot of those kinds of factors that you can kind of take into mind of just like my family and my lifestyle, there probably is a seat that's more convenient. Nuna just came out with a new, um, infant seat that I'm very excited about because it's like an infant carrier that normally you would click into a base, except it has the lower anchors built into the seat itself. So it's like the Nuna Pippa light travel, whatever. Um, and it looks so cool because you can do um, a baseless install in like two seconds. So if you're wow. living in New York, if you're living in a city and you're just taking taxis and Ubers all the time, that's amazing for you. Cause then you can just yeah. pop that seat out and pop it right in a stroller. So hmm. yeah, no. I, have, I have seats that I like that I've used. Um, but overall, um, I highly recommend like Asking if you're pregnant or if you're accepting, or if you are ready, if you already have an infant seat and you're looking for a convertible, like ask your friends and family to like, if you can come play around with their car seat for a few minutes, like go in, there's a lot of seats that are available to kind of look at and play around with at Target or at other stores. Um, but if you like, if there's a certain seat that you're interested about, um, you can ask for more like information and every single seat 
also just little note that is random and doesn't really fit into this topic, but is just a good thing to know is every single seat manufacturer has what is called a safety advocate. And so there's a person at every car seat manufacturer that you can call or email and ask them any question about your seat. You can ask them a troubleshooting question if you're having trouble installing, um, anything like that. And their job is literally to advocate, to be there for you, to help you problem solve and figure out the things you need to know. Um, so that's another cool thing to keep in mind. That is super handy. Yeah. I had no idea about that. I, I mean, I know <laughs> what I need to know or, you know, what I feel like I should know at this point, of course, having a child and I feel confident in what I know, but even just today's conversation, like, holy moly, like eye opening about just the ins and outs of so much, um, that clearly go to show, like, you know, find a tech such as Emma, like as yourself and, get if you if you have the questions if you have someone like you said like if you have a friend that you know you love their car seat and that's the one you want to and you're you know that you know that they know how to install it and you guys can work together and figuring that out um great if if you don't if you have any questions or you're just extra concerned and want to be you know meticulous about it find a car seat tech like i can't express how important that that is and um just for everyone's safety your child um the ease of your family and peace of mind like just do it. Um, would you actually share a little bit, Emma, about uh, how to find a car seat tech such as yourself? And are those like, where are they in, in our state? How do we go about finding that? Yeah. So um, actually Safe Kids Worldwide, which is the um, certifying body for um, CPST is in the US. Um, if you go to their website, um, they have this very, it's very easy to find very easily easy to navigate. Um, and you can find a tech and you can just search your zip code and it'll pull up if there are any techs that are, have their profiles on public, excuse me, will come up right in that search bar. And the thing about techs is we don't have a lot of them, just like there's not a ton. Um, and the other kind of tricky thing is, so like it's a, it's free. Um, being a CPSD is a volunteer community service situation. Um, and so a lot of, there's a kind of, kind of common misnomer that like, you can just like go to a fire station or a police station and there'll be a tech there to check your seat. And while yes, a lot of CPS, a lot of CPSTs, like a lot of police forces do have someone on their force who is a CPST and a lot of fire stations like will have someone because obviously those, um, like they want to have someone in community outreach in that capacity. Um, but just like showing up isn't a surefire way to know that that tech is on that day. Um, so a lot, if you want, if you can, um, if you can't find anyone just looking through Safe Kids Worldwide, if you can't find anyone on that, their website um, who's local to your area, I would highly recommend um, going online and going to your local um, fire station or police station's website. And a lot of times they'll have a tab of like community resources and it lists out um, like who their different community people are. And a lot of times in there, they will have, they will list like if they have an officer who does, who is a CPST, and like, if they have an email, you can email them at to set up an appointment, or if they have like a recurring day of the month that they offer checks. Um, I know I was in my training course. I had one of my um, fellow students, um, her name was Jamie, and she is now the CPST um, for the Brunswick um, police force. Um, she's a dispatcher. And up until then, Brunswick hadn't had a CPST available for several years. Whoever had done it had like moved or retired or such. Um, so now she is offering, I think like at one Sunday afternoon a month for like three hours, people can come through and just, um, no appointment needed. Um, and that information is on their social media and online. Um, so that's a great way is just like, talk to your local police force, fire stations, um, but don't just show up hoping that whoever happens to be on duty that day will be a CPST because sometimes you'll get some really clueless but well-intentioned men who just shove on it and call it good. And yeah. that's not how that works. <laughs> no, that's really good to know. I think it, it, knowing how to navigate it um, to find those resources is, is half the battle. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, well, this has been so good, Emma. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time and energy here with us. Um, is there anything else last minute you want to share or, and definitely share your socials. Um, I know you, you're so much more than, you know, car seat tech, like you have 
a lot more to share and knowledge and such. So go ahead and share, you know, where you're located, what you, where you're based out of all that stuff. If people want to get in touch with you. Um, yeah. So I, um, my Instagram handle is the main nanny, um, main, like the state that we live in, that I live in, that Mackenzie here lives in, that we love to be in. Um, and if you are looking for, um, for a seat tech, if you are local to the Southern Maine area, um, I will meet you at the, the Point Community Center in South Portland or at Maine Mothering Co. in Brunswick. Um, or sometimes we'll meet in other locations if that's just not convenient for either of us. Um, and you can set, you can uh, sign up for a car seat check. Um, I have a link in my bio on my Instagram page um, that'll take you to a Google form that you can fill out um, to request a um, seat check with me. And it's free. Um, it's a it's a volunteer thing. Um, tips are welcome. If you would like to tip your tech, always feel free to do so, uh, but it is not required. Um, really, this is just like, it's a passion. Any tech who's doing it um, is doing it because they're passionate about it and they know that um, they just want to make a difference and try to make sure kids are as safe as they can be. Um, so yeah, so more than welcome to reach out anytime. Um, my email is on there too. And yeah, the main nanny, that's where I'm at. I, I work in Portland. Um, so I'm, I'm around and yeah, what fun. Perfect. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thank you for, you know, getting your certification as the tech, obviously it's, it's very apparent how passionate and, um, you know, that you are in this subject and topic for kiddos and, and their families, and it's certainly needed. So I appreciate you and your time and thank you so much. And I can't wait to get this episode out. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mommy and Maine podcast. I hope you learned something new and felt validated in your own experience. If you loved what you heard or it resonated in any way, please share with someone else that could benefit from listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave me a rating and review so we can continue to build this community and support all the mommies that so deserve this space. 